Something familiar, something peculiar, something for everyone, a comedy tonight. Great Odin's Raven! Something appealing, something appalling, something for everyone, a comedy tonight. That is why I won't do two shows a night anymore, babe. I won't. I won't do. Nothing for kings, nothing for crowns. Bring on the lovers, liars, and clowns. This suit is black. Okay. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not Not. Whole situations, new complications. Nothing portentous or polite. Tragedy tomorrow, comedy tonight. Don't. Put the candle back. Something convulsive, something repulsive, something for everyone, a comedy tonight. I'm excited and I feel relaxed and I'm ready to party with the best of them. And I'm gonna go down to the river. Something aesthetic, something frenetic, something for everyone, a comedy tonight. Yes, very good. I'll have a Bloody Mary and a steak sandwich and a steak sandwich. Nothing of guts, nothing of fate. Weighty affairs will just have to wait. I have been in this business 52 years and I will... I've never seen anything like this. You son of a bitch. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Rated R. Welcome to episode 52 of Opening Weekend. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends, Fred Berman and Dan Matisa. And this week, Fred, Dan's waving. You can't see it. <laughs> this week. Hi, Dan. You can't see this? The people aren't able to see? The people aren't. This is like no. episode one when you were like, what? You can see me? Like, we can see you. They can't. <laughs> Hey, hey guys, hey, this is serious business though. Oh. Uh, you see what I'm saying? Doing there is serious business, but it's a comedy episode. Ah, We're traveling back to May 31st, 1985, and the release of Michael Ritchie's Fletch, starring Chevy Chase in one of his most iconic and successful screen roles. And in addition, we will be sharing our individual picks for our top 10 favorite comedic performances on film, give or take a couple of ties and honorable mentions i'm sure i'm sure i know i have some but before we dive into our review of fletch where were we all at the end of may 1985 i was just about to leave seventh grade oh yes that's what i was about to do yeah i was getting ready i was finishing up seventh grade there was a lot of uh there were a lot of bar mitzvahs going on, <laughs> bar and bat mitzvahs. This was the time. Mine was in the fall, but uh, I, I, I believe my friend Josh Kleinberg had his bar mitzvah around this time, mm -hmm. which I went to. Uh, another uh, girl, Dana Rudikoff, had her bat mitzvah. I was not invited to that. What? Which was upsetting to me. How yeah, I she? invited her to my bar mitzvah because oh, I'm yeah. the bigger person. 
Dana, oh, you listening? Good. No, she's a lovely woman. We 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 we're friends, but uh, no, I wasn't invited. That was that was actually a, slightly traumatizing. Why do you yeah, think I'm you sure. weren't invited? Because she hated Jews. Why do you think? Oh, no. I mean, seriously. I mean, did you have to ask? But uh, she was Jewish. How does that make sense? Oh, it's something called uh, self-loathing. Yeah. Why? I don't know, but I remember it. Seventh grade, I had some traumatizing experiences in seventh grade. Some I will go into. Some I will bury deep within my rotted soul and take with me to the grave. Yeah, wait, were you guys close and that's why you were shocked? I mean, it can't be that I every kid we who were. had a, a bar or bat mitzvah, you went to every one, right? No, or did well, you really? Here, here's the thing. There weren't that many because there weren't that many Jews in Manhasset oh. where I grew up. And people are always shocked. They're like, are you from Long Island? What are you talking about? But <laughs> right. this this little enclave of Long Island, there there were not many of the chosen people there. Oh, wow. And it was me, at least in my year, I only remember being me, Josh, Dana, and this girl, Julie Birkin. And Julie and I actually had our bar and bat mitzvahs, I think like on the same day or around the same day. But Dana and I went to elementary school together. But then there's that weird thing when you get to middle school, because this was my first or junior high school. That's what we called it. Mm. This was my first year in junior high. And then, you know, you start to go your own ways because it was two schools. It was Munsey Park, mm. which is the school that I went to, and then Shelter Rock. And they come together and you're meeting new kids and sometimes new alliances and friendships are formed. But I, I don't know. I was... I sort of was expecting to be invited because hmm. Jew, there's not many right, of us, right, right. you know? So I'm like, oh, oh we got to stick together. I see, I but see. man, I, oof, I, I remember, I, and, and I guess, I don't oh, know, maybe friend. we just drifted apart, but I remember being in front of the lockers in seventh grade. This is when everyone, the listeners get out your tissues because this is when it gets awkward. This is. Or sexy. You know, <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. Depending <laughs> how you like it. But I Jesus. remember the invitations went out. And everyone was talking about it because it was going to be the big thing because everyone had gotten an invitation. It was mm. all, all of my friends, like my group of like the VBC guys. Well, I don't know. Maybe Josh didn't get an inv invitation either. I don't remember. But a lot of people were talking about it. And I was like, fuck, well, I didn't get one. I guess I'm not mm. going. But I didn't want to say anything. Oh, and then we were in front of the lockers before school one day. And Joe Salvatore, it was me, Joe Salvatore, someone else. And Dana was there. And it was like a bunch of kids. And... We were I don't know what we were talking about, about doing something or dancing or whatever. And he's like, oh, well, Fred, you know, when, you know, you can do that at Dana's Bar Mitzvah or Dana's Bar Mitzvah. And I no. didn't say anything. And Danny just went, he's not invited. Oh, <gasps> oh. yeah. Making it plain. Making yeah. it plain. There was no mistake. There was no error. There was no, no error in the postal service. Yeah. And the way it she wasn't... said it was very like, it's sort of kind. Yeah. Like, well, actually, no, it, it won't because he's, he's not Ooh. coming. Yeah, and there was just, I remember Joe's like, oh, oh, well, okay. I think, and yeah, and, and I just sort of played it off like, yeah, whatever, that's cool, man. I got, I got, I got, I got another bomb misfit to go to that day anyway. So, oh, you know, no. yeah. But, but honestly, why do you think you were, I mean, clearly yeah. other Jews she, were invited, so it wasn't that she didn't like Jews. I mean, what, what, why do you <laughs> think? Like, what, what did she have against you? I don't know, Dan. Why are you bringing this up? This is hard enough as it is. I'm going through my own emotional trauma right now, and you're, I, why? No, I well, have no idea. You Maybe I wasn't of, cool you, at the time. You do eat a lot of food at a party, so the budget would go up. <laughs> you tend to stake out a spot by the buffet. And yeah. Stake out. <laughs> 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 
Emilio. <laughs> don't step on my lines, Emilio. I, you know, I, I don't know. But, but, but we got through seventh grade. And all I'm saying is, come October, when it was time for me to cross the threshold of becoming a man, guess who was invited to my bar mitzvah? <gasps> Young Ms. Dana Rudikoff. And we had a wonderful time. And we actually, no, we were, we, Wow. Remain friends. We were very friendly all through high school. We did shows together, and uh, that's crazy. Let's get yeah. let's get her the, on the horn, though. Can yeah, we get Dana Rudikoff. If you're uh, listening, info at opening week cat podcast. <laughs> no, it might have just been like it, it just like you know there might have been parents had a hard cut off. Like I don't I, think so because I think number. her parents were friends with uh, her. I, her mom was mm. friends with my mom, and oh. we because we I think we we used to carpool oh. to Hebrew school together. Maybe oh, this wow. is a, this is an unparalleled slight. <laughs> <laughs> this is a scandal. This is the scandal of uh, of Manhasset. It's, it's, it's a scandal and a Shonda, I say. It's a Shonda. <laughs> yeah. It's a Shonda Rhymes. It's a Busta Rhymes. <laughs> it's whatever you want. Hmm? What were you Where doing, were you? Dan? What were you doing? Did you get invited to any bat mitzvahs? No. no you were too young. I didn't. I was too young for it. I was, uh, yeah, coming out of, I was about to finish sixth grade if you were about to come out of seventh, right, yep. Fred? Well, so that means, uh, oh, you, uh, you guys seen the pictures of this. The hair is really just expanding exponentially in all directions. It's is this just, one with the glasses? The picture of the glasses oh, yes. and the hair? Yeah. Oh, oh, yes, yes. The sweater vest, the big, thick glasses, and the hair expanding out in yes. all directions. I have very, listeners, if you can envision this, I have very, very curly, thick, thick, curly <laughs> hair. It's very thin now. But it goes out in all directions from the head. And what... My mother uh, uh, suggested, well, I think it was my mother's, one of my mother's friends actually suggested, you know, why don't you have him pick his hair? <gasps> what? Pick. Oh. Yeah. Get a pick and have him pick his hair out and then put a little moose in there. And this <laughs> became this massive, just Chia Pet like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like a very Bob Ross like or Chia Pet like <laughs> helmet. Of curls that just surrounded my my head like a lion's mane, and uh, um, caused people to throw things at me. It was ridiculous. Why, I, you know, it's the constant refrain of my life. Why did anyone let me leave the house this way? No one should have let me leave the house. I was too stupid to know any better. But this really comes to fruition. In, se- in sixth grade, they mostly left you alone. Seventh yeah. grade, it all turns. It all the worm has turned by that yeah. point. Seventh grade is rough, man. It's very brutal. I would walk around with a stack of books under oh, each you're, arm. Oh, you're asking for trouble. Okay. Poindexter? Mm. Yes. <laughs> so first of all, I'm already Poindexter by this point. And second of all, the hair, the acne, the glasses, the sweater vest. Then arms full of books. Did oh, you geez. score? Was scoring a thing? Score. No. When someone would come by, knock all the books and papers and trapper and trapper keepers oh. and folders out of your hand. They'd go zzz, flying down the hallway, the, the hallway and, they'd go, and they'd go score like that. And it was called being scored. Oh, I was Dan. scored oh. many, many times by girls. Girls would oh, score me. No. Yes. Pretty girls would come up and go <gasps> score. And I'd be like, oh, do we, you would oh, think Dan. I learned my, I would have learned my lesson after the 17th time of being scored. But I never learned. I never learned. You're like, today's my day. I figured out how to carry these properly. <laughs> That's exactly I'm my, right. This helmet's looking good. No That's, pretty girl could. 
could possibly oh, could possibly happened again. Could possibly score a gentleman with this. And the irony is all you wanted to do was score with those girls at that exactly. age. And you're getting scored. That's the thing. They would way. say score a half second before they're not. And you'd be like, it's going to happen. And you release your grip slightly. And then boom. That's how they would throw me off. I'd be like, this is the time. It's very, it's very much like uh, Charlie Brown and, uh, and uh, Lucy. Yeah. And Lucy, right. Oh, Every God. time oh, he God. thinks it's going to happen and that never happened. But speaking of pretty girls, 85, very fortuitous year. Speaking of pretty girls, the year of my wife's birth. Oh, wow. I thought for sure you were going to talk about some female wrestler. Because whenever, yeah, whenever you. Be a, a poster on your wall. Like, yeah, it yeah. always goes back to that somehow. It was when I got my poster of the fabulous Moolah. And I said, that's <laughs> no. the opposite now of pretty Those girls. are pendulous breasts. Oh, my. No, and this is the year. So, so uh, wow. Taylor is born in this year. I love you, Taylor. I love you, honey. Aww. She doesn't listen to the podcast. But um, this is she the She was never alive for a David Lee Roth-led Van Halen. Boy, isn't that crazy? Wow. Isn't that crazy? It's one of her greatest regrets from what I've heard. (laughs) That's how I, that's how I frame everything. Yes. Were you pre-David Lee Roth or post? She was post. Yes, that's exactly right. I guess they were still, they were probably still together in 85. You know, they were about to break up. So, all right. She she makes the mark. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. She made the the cut. (laughs) Just barely. (laughs) Barely. She she also doesn't know who Sammy Hagar is and she has no idea who the third or fourth guy are. So I don't, I don't know who the third or fourth guy. <laughs> that, that would be Gary Sharon from Extreme. Ah, uh, yes. Lead singer of uh, The Extreme. Romantics? No. Extreme. I just Extreme. said, I said oh, it okay. three times, but. <laughs> <laughs> what band was he the lead singer of? This is going well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so my life changed in 1985 without me even knowing it. Oh, Isn't that wow. crazy to think about? You That's didn't lovely. even know, right? You didn't even know. Like, here you are That's being so scored sweet. in the hallway. Meanwhile, out in California, which is where my wife was born, my wife is born. <laughs> that was beautiful. And then it didn't, it didn't quite stick the landing. <laughs> you know what would have been amazing, though, if you took a trip out to California in 1985 and you happened to be going through, like, the maternity ward of a hospital yes. and a little baby was like, Scott! And smacks your books down, and it was her. It was a little infant Taylor. That would be great. You'd be like, you're going to grow up beautiful and mean. I must have you. (laughs) That's something that Baby Taylor absolutely would have done. She would have done that. This needs to be a show now. Baby Taylor. Baby Taylor. Just make like you go back in time and you're like, but the baby is sentient. Well, the baby's sentient, but the baby has enough awareness to like communicate with you like the little baby from Roger Rabbit. And it's like, it's like, okay, baby, we're going to get out. What the fuck are you talking about? I don't know what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> no, I think it's great. I think it's great. If we combine it with like, she's sort of a great gazoo type of. Uh, That's what I'm type talking of kind of, about. Yeah, where she's like, hello, dum-dum. And she's like, constantly calls me dum-dum. <laughs> but she's a baby. And then she turns out to be my wife. Brilliant. And she calls you dum-dum to this very day. To this day. Um, write the pilot. Um, write that up. Write it up, I says. Um. <laughs> What were you doing in 85? You were having a great time, right? You were dating all the older women not in high all. school. I, no, I had not gone on a date with anybody yet. I was very, okay. very, sh- I was still very shy, but I was getting, it was getting better. I was coming out of my shell more and more. They did. The funny thing is for like, 
for one of the few kids in my in my uh, in Comac at that time in my high school and junior high, whatever, to go on to like be a performer or whatever. I had zero. I was like, I had probably had the least interest in performing uh, on any scale. They, there was a big show in eighth grade called The Entertainers. They did a big musical review. Every it was like every kid in eighth grade practically was in this thing. And we were all in it to some degree, you know, mostly ensemble stuff or whatever. But we were given the option. It was like, would you like to do something? Do you want to sing a song? Do you want to be part of a group thing? Do you want to audition for a, you know, they did they did songs from like Greece and other things. But it was like um, it was like not variety show, but it was really kind of a like a compilation special of like scenes from Mm. big musicals. And some kids said oh i'd like to play this part or sing this song or do this number or whatever. and then other kids auditioned for things like in the greased lightning scene from from you know it was like who wants to <laughs> do zuko or whatever and they would audition no interest in any of it like i had to be in it so i would just be and they were like you don't want to do anything you don't want to audition for any solo or any you know the only thing i allowed <laughs> we did for the spring concert this wasn't part of that show the entertainers then they did the spring concert they did we are the world they we sang we oh are the world yeah because that was huge that came out earlier that year. year yeah and so and then it was like oh does anybody want to sing certain <gasps> lyrics from that or th- and you were bruce springsteen would, let me guess who did you no, do? Did you I do? did Willie Nelson. <laughs> I did two or three. I never would have guessed in a million I years. I did two that's or three did. of the voices, but and nobody was doing voices. I was the only one who I was like, well, I'll do it. But only if I can, like I would do the solo, but only if I could sing as the Wasn't that, person. well, we're all a part of this great big family. Yeah. Yep. 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 I guess you, I can remember it. You oh remember yeah. It. Oh God. We all knew it. We, we that's but what that's me and my friends would do. Do impersonations of I all did, of them. But that was it. I would do, I did, I did wow. Willie Nelson. Maybe does Kenny Rogers have a, a Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's I in think there. I did his and I, I did like two or three, but it was only under the, but I had to do them as the person. I couldn't, everybody else just sang the lyric, you know, it was so like, you were got, the only one who did the yep, Only one did it as an impression. Group. The only one who did my That's guess. insane, though. I have a distinct memory of being like the one person who kind of sounded like the person whose line I was taking and that people were like, oh, oh, that's that's pretty funny. And I remember being a little. And they're like, Dionne Warwick, that. you can't be singing uh, with this junior high school <laughs> chorus. Uh, we, we appreciate your talents, Ms. Warwick, but, but and please. Then I, and then I ripped off the <laughs> latest Dionne Warwick mask. <laughs> and there you were. And there, and there I was. And you had the Steve Perry one underneath that. Steve yeah. Perry's the rip- best in that song. That's my favorite well, little song. There's stri- a choice we're making. We're saving our own lives. And he, then Daryl Hall yeah. comes in. It's true. We're making a It's you and me. Steve Perry was a last minute replacement. You know who he took over for? Rip Taylor. Yes. And they didn't want to get the confetti <laughs> anywhere. They're like, no, we can't. Last time you were here, we They're had to like, clean leave up. A, Quincy Jones had that sign, leave your confetti at the door. And Rip Taylor was like, I can't. Uh, I literally I can't. can't. It's under my wig. <laughs> it's in my mustache. The artist formerly known as Prince, who then became Prince. That was Prince's line. Really? <laughs> yeah, Prince was supposed to 
to sing in it. And there was something that happened with the Grammys. There was a, right. I, I don't know what happened, but he, did, he, they didn't know until the last second. They're like, are you going to, are you going to be here? And oh, he was right. like, nah, I'm not going to show up. I got Prince, Primp, Prince is not going to be second banana to Michael Jackson. I got news for you. Nor should I guess be. that was it. Maybe that's what it was. was it. So Steve yeah, Perry showed up. Yeah. And then I remember Saturday Night Live did it when Hulk Hogan and uh, Mr. T were hosting. <laughs> They did an episode where the cold open was Billy Crystal as Prince doing his own because he wasn't part of We Are the World doing his own We Are the World. And and it had Hulk Hogan and Mr. T were there and like a motley crew of like whatever singers, I think, you know, the the handful of celebrities you could think of who didn't sing in We Are the World were there with Prince. very very good. And yeah, and Saturday Night Live, I was obsessed with that at this point. Again, like it was the end of the that yes. bright shining one year Billy Crystal Christopher Guest era, crazy yeah Loved every it. but every kid me included you included were always doing you look marvelous like we would just you roam the hallways of schools song. doing our best you know Billy Crystal like absolutely best, uh, marvelous. And yeah, then the we, other one, like, oh, I hate when that happens. Yes. When it was <laughs> yeah. Christopher Guest. We would do that entire thing with Christopher Guest. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Me and Damon, actually. And I still, I have them. I could send you the clips. We have, we yes. would do our own Willie and Frankie. We would like sit, we'd like put, you know, put like the tape cassette in, in, the, in our box, plus I play and record. And we would just do our own. I think we did a rap. I think we did a Willie and Frankie rap. Wow. Because that was the big thing too. You know, everyone, yes. we so talked the, about this before. The, the Honeymooners yeah. rap and the yeah. Billy Crystal Marvelous rap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. All these comedy. Wow. these novelty songs that were rapping. yeah yeah no yeah, i have all those Duke. sketches one of the shows i did in high school i wrote like one of those it, one of those willie and frankie sketches and yeah it's just it was just so fun like that was just had such a an impact a formative impact saturday night live at that time on, mm-hmm. on everything on everything mm-hmm. the best is- sketch was when uh chevy chase came on and just started throwing shit and knocking people out and be like, how can you don't respect me? And then we'd punch them in the face and, <laughs> and they're like, you're not, fight a, with you Bill left. Murray. Yeah. Uh, left the show, Chevy. That was, it was the best. It was the best. Still, nobody is good as him. That's guy, he did one season, or like half a season. Unbelievable. He rode that for the rest of his life. <laughs> He's still alive. Um, <laughs> and we're all the better for it. That's Fletch. Right. <laughs> oh, for what is this man saying? What is this man doing? What in the hell's the matter with you? What is this man's name? My name is Igor Stravinsky. Hi there, I'm uh, Harry S. Truman. I'm uh, Don Corleone. They call him Fletch. Fletch! Fletch! Fletch. F. Fletch. Investigative reporter Erwin Fletch Fletcher, played by Chevy Chase, is a veritable chameleon who might drive his editor, played by Richard Libertini, mad with anxiety, but who always produces great pieces for his Los Angeles newspaper. While undercover is a homeless man prepping his next big story about the drug trade taking place on the beach in Santa Monica, Fletch is approached by businessman Alan Stanwyck, played by Tim Matheson, who claims to be dying and offers Fletch $50,000 to kill him, ending his personal agony while ensuring his family's financial future. Also starring Gina Davis and Dana Wheeler Nicholson, Fletch was a critical and commercial success, taking in $7 million over its opening weekend on its way to earning $59.6 million worldwide. Fred and Dan, what'd you guys think of Fletch? I remember loving it, loving it, loving it as a kid. I'm, I'm pretty certain I saw it in the theaters. Oh, and, and I saw it opening weekend. Yeah, oh. I, I, and we, you know, we 
quoted it left and right. <laughs> and I, we just thought he was, you know, irascible, that, uh, that Fletch. In rewatching it, I still really enjoyed it. Uh, it. It's it's shocking to me. It's so obvious to me that they're like, okay, we're gonna we we want to do your Beverly Hills Cop. Where I found myself a little lacking because, and again, I just kept I couldn't help comparing it because, you know, the the music similar. You know, they were obviously yeah, trying to make like the compo- they're like composer. Yeah, I yeah. Really, I it was like they're trying that. to give him his own Axel F. or so ago and I couldn't believe how much I still enjoyed it I was like wow it really really holds up and Eddie Murphy is fantastic and like I couldn't believe the the layers that's what was really impressive to me I have to watch Thinking, it again I've never I, been that big a fan of it I think it's I. okay I yeah. think he's very funny in uh Murphy is super mm. funny in a very kind of stock action vehicle that's my memory of it but i haven't watched it in a long time and i actually think this threads the needle better for me i find this more consistently funny than beverly hills cop but i haven't watched it in forever yes but but i think maybe that's what was so surprising to me about watching beverly hills cop that i hadn't seen it in a long time and in re-watching it i was like oh it's not he's not just going for the jokes He's not, he's not playing mm, it silly. Right. I mean, he does some really funny things in it, but yes, it's more yeah, sort of right. just a straight ahead, sort of funny, fun action movie. And I think that's why I was so surprised. I, I didn't, cause I hadn't seen it in, you know, decades. Yeah. And I was so charmed by Eddie Murphy the entire time. And I really thought he found some really cool layers and levels. And I feel like Chevy Chase does that as well in this, but there were a few times where, it's him doing a Chevy Chase thing the whole way through, yes, which is yeah. great. That's what he does. You yeah. know, like we're not expecting a Daniel Day-Lewis performance from Chevy Chase. <laughs> we want Chevy Chase. He does yeah. what he does and he does it better than anyone else. I, I no, was, I, yeah, I, I, you. Was, he, I was, I don't know. Uh, he's not the actor that, I, I, that Eddie Murphy is. He's not the actor that Bill Murray is. He's not, the, you know what I mean? So. Some of these Saturday Night Live have deeper wells. Chevy Chase never found that thing. I can't think of a vehicle where he put himself to the test in another way or played a primarily dramatic character. Maybe it's yeah. out there, but you know what he does in lieu of acting, <laughs> there's an, <laughs> there's an aloofness. He goes to an aloof yes. place. Yes. Yeah. But, but there is something in his, I think that's why I think this is his most successful because I actually thought this was more of a character than he's ever really played like when when there is peril when there is like uh when the stakes are high i do feel i i feel his his anxiety i feel that he's in a a a rough spot i feel that he's like you know that he's he's not it's not just all rolling off of him uh it's having an impact i love that opening shot of him you know, just walking up the beach, sort of looking like a beach bum wearing the Lakers shirt, you know, and then there's that moment where he actually just looks at the camera, you know, he gives a little nod right to the camera, sort of Mm. like, Hey, we're, we're okay. This is who I am. We're in this together. Mm. Come on. And, and I, and normally I remember when that happened, I thought, huh, 
there might have been a part of me that wouldn't have liked that. I was like, all right, that's just Chevy, you know, playing Chevy, looking at the camera, doing this thing. But I, but it, 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 it drew me in. God, have you ever seen a spleen that large? No, not, not since breakfast. Here, hold this. Listen, I'm not really prepared for this. I haven't sterilized my hands. Well, you're not going to make this guy any sicker. <laughs> <laughs> the knock against this movie, I actually remember the the part of the Roger Ebert review that that was sort of the the his refrain about Chevy Chase over and over again is that this this exact thing we're talking about his aloofness is actually a stakes lowering thing you know yes, it comes sure. off like the character doesn't care all that much unfortunately and that and that actually sort of whereas in a movie like Beverly Hills Cop or other sort of action comedies of the time around the time, like 48 hours running scared, midnight run, you know, the, 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 these, this sort of action mm-hmm. comedy genre, you've got to, you, you, it, it almost requires you to have a lead who does have vulnerability, really cares, really is in peril and really has something at stake. I'm not saying that this is a, a bad performance by, by Chevy Chase, but that's the knock against it. Yeah. But I think it actually that Ty Webb sort of aloofness yes. works in this movie. I think it does as well. Because it is a cover, you know, for the Fletch character, it's a cover for him to constantly be just the same way he's covering up his personality with other, you know, it's like form mm-hmm. meets, meets function with other personalities, with other voices, with the false teeth and the crazy hair and the, and the beard and other things. He's, he's, he's always trying to, it's almost like the character is always trying to, undercut himself because going yeah. too far gets you hurt i'm gonna need some pliers and uh set of 30 weight ball bearings what <clears throat> yeah uh, tell you what uh, i gotta go to my truck fred gets here before i'm back you can tell him to start without me the hell you need ball bearings for oh come on guys it's so simple maybe you need a refresher course hey it's all ball bearings nowadays you always yeah. think of him in the Ty Webb type roles where he is the, the the richest or most put together guy in the room. And he's he's definitely um, not in this. And I, I kind of love that. And I think it works for the movie that, you know, I, <laughs> I love the little bit where he, where he he pours some champagne for her. He pours some champagne for himself and then pours a little bit in the bucket. It's a classic Chevy Chase thing, but it's like the stakes couldn't be higher in this moment. He is sitting there with the wife of the guy and yet he's doing a funny little stakes lowering bit in the moment which no one would do in that moment except chevy chase because it's like yeah we got to always make sure that it's not too much because if it gets too much then you know i'll get busted up well it's not it's not unlike something like uh, like like bill murray's function in ghostbusters right where he's always taking a piss out of things that i mean this mm-hmm. is a real world scenario and that's like <laughs> ridiculous, you know, <laughs> right. fantasy. Yes. But it's also like, you know, but you're buying the stakes of that movie and how like how destructive and powerful right. these forces are. And he's yeah. like, OK, well, uh, all right, let me let me see if this thing will work on it. You know, that that's yeah. very fun and it keeps us on it. It's like, you know, the, the, the aloofness. Makes him feel like a superhero, but not because because we're thinking how anxious we would be in the circumstances. And so it's very there it's it very fun to see yeah. somebody like, man, this motherfucker does not give a shit. 
He'll, he will put that Bloody Mary and a steak sandwich and a steak sandwich on the under Hills bill. That's my favorite line in the movie. What do we have? Uh, Bloody Mary that and a steak sandwich and a steak sandwich. I, always, I was like, that's perfect construction. I'm sure that's an improv. It's perfect, perfect joke construction. Somehow. It, it, absurd joke it's construction. He, yeah, he has so many great moments in this. But yeah, you know, you're absolutely you're absolutely right, Fred, and you're absolutely right, Dan, because I think that's that's it. Like he isn't quite able to go to those places, but I don't know that that would serve the movie. No. I don't think yeah. a more complex performance uh, or, you know, would actually do this thing any favors. I think it's really just I think the whole thing is a uh, it's a clothesline. The whole plot. Again, I don't really care about it. It's good. And I think oh, it's it all, all makes it, it's all yeah. fine, but it, it, but it's just there to, for him to play different yep. characters and, and make silly jokes and get into silly situations. And I'm OK yeah. with it from beginning to Absolutely. end. It doesn't I don't need it to work. I don't need to remember the plot. I don't need to care about <laughs> anybody. That's just this movie for me. I don't know. I've always, always loved it. I I think it I do think it's his best performance because it it's it amplifies the Thai web thing. You know, it's funny for a guy who doesn't have what we consider a lot of range. Mm-hmm. His most significant roles are, are are very far apart on the spectrum in terms of confident and cool, which is what Fletch and Ty seem to be. Mm-hmm. And then Griswold, who is just, you know, put upon and hapless <laughs> yes. and goofy. And he works pretty much equally well in those guys. I prefer this. I prefer the Fletch character to the Griswold character. I love Vacation and I love Christmas Vacation. But, uh, you know, and I think he's great in those. Very, very funny in those. But, you know, this is if anything's going to get my my motor running for Chevy Chase, it's Fletch. Now, how long have you had these pains, Mr. Barber? Now, that's Babar. Two B's? One B. B-A-B-A-R. That's two. Yeah, but not right next to each other. I thought that's what you meant. Arnold Babar. Isn't there a children's book about an elephant named Babar? I don't know. I don't have any. No children? No elephant books. Here's an interesting tidbit. I worked with Michael Ritchie. I completely forgot. Did you? The director of this. Yeah, we did... Uh, I did a workshop with him uh, for uh, like six months to a year on and off. It was a 60s musical that he was working on with Lucy Simon, Carly Simon's sister and the composer of the musical The Secret Garden. Oh, and wow. I had no idea who either of them were when I auditioned for it. <laughs> I had went and I had to play guitar. And actually, oh, wait a minute. This ties this whole podcast together oh, here because we go. at that audition is where I met Ethan James Duff. Who helped us put this oh whole shebang God. together? We met at that audition. Yeah. And you and went to his bat mitzvah. Oh, I exactly. thought you were tying it back to <laughs> your story. Not this episode. Oh, I'm the sorry. whole yeah. existence no. of the podcast. We, yeah, Ethan and I, Ethan, who helped us put the whole podcast together, we met at that audition. And I remember going in and, be, and thinking, like, oh, that's nice. These two, like, older, like, ex hippies want to do a, a little <laughs> musical. Oh, my God. I, I had no idea, you know, the, the pedigree behind both of them, uh, especially uh, Michael Ritchie. I mean, my God. But yeah, he was a funny. lovely, lovely man. Really nice. Oh, that's nice. Easy to going. Hear. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, um, he, and, he directs this very well. I mean, it, it's, it's well paced. I mean, he, he makes the very smart decision of like, just put the camera on Chevy Chase. Yeah. Because you know, yeah. it's really all about that performance. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I read somewhere that one of the reasons that Chevy Chase loved doing this movie so much is that 
he sort of just, yeah, he let him go. He's like, let's stick to the script. Yeah. And also, and I guess the, the, um, the author of the Fletch series, what's his name again? Uh, Gregory McDonald, I believe. So he wasn't thrilled with the original script. He's like, no, this is all different. This is all different. And he really put up a fight and Michael Ritchie took him out for lunch one day and basically explained, this is why we're doing it. And sort of, and, and he was like, and he was right. And he gave me like a really nice chewing out. Uh, and, and he was, and he was good. Yeah. And so he just sort of Michael Ritchie, you know, they would do a take, you know, let's just do it straight. And then, yeah. okay, now just go off and, and sort of just let Chevy Chase do his thing, which I think was smart. He it's wasn't smart. trying to, Very you know, restrain him or constrain him there at all. And no, yeah. Cause then you get the just, best of both worlds. You get the story, you get like when you have to get clarity and get like just the straightforward just the facts, ma'am, kind of elements. <laughs> you've got that take. And then you've also got the, oh my God, I love the names. The names are so good. And oh and God. it's great seeing him come up with the names on the spot. But <laughs> the great payoff is when you cut to like, he's already in the office with that thing in his nose or whatever. And he's mid conversation <laughs> with Kenneth Mars. With Kenneth yeah. Mars. And the, Oh, the secretary comes and says, will that be all Mr. Poon or so, so, whatever he, she says, she just used it's the one time the name is used in the scene. It's like, hey, here's your coffee, Mr. Poon. I don't remember what she says or gives him, but I was like, Mr. Poon. Ridiculous. And may I help you, Dr. Uh, uh, oh, it's me, Dr. Rosen Phoenix. I'm just here to check Dr. out Stanwick's file. Dr. Rosen, Rosen, I'm here to get the records room. It's Dr. Rosen. I, I, uh, I want to check Dr. the records room. Dr. Rosen, Wait, where's the record room? Like that first time when he's like, Dr. Rosen, penis, Dr. Rosen, <laughs> Rosen, the nurse, they, they don't just accept it. They're just, you know, when, 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 he, when he very, you know, authoritatively says, you know, Ted Nugent, Nugent, Ted, you know, yes. then that's fine. They take it as that. But when he's, right. when you can tell, and those are the best moments, I think, when he's just <laughs> trying to like, shit, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? He's and and just trying to make it work. He's on the floor. It's like just <laughs> chaos going on. So, so he can like stupid. change the name three right, times. But what's great is the nurse <laughs> is going, what? Excuse me? Like it just keeps going. She doesn't accept it right away. They no. play it real. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what you're saying, Dr. Rosen, what? And he just keeps going and trying to make it a little bit more believable. And then, yeah, dropping the papers. And to me, I think that's, you know, I, I, I'm going to assume a credit to Michael Ritchie or it, it, that's what makes the movie work. Well, and also all the people that's that he great. has to play against who are all of these, you know, day player, couple of line things. Right. They to do them, a great job with going it. with the flow. The, the, the secretary of, of uh, uh, um, I think it's Kenneth Mars's secretary, yes. right? Yeah, where, yeah. where he's like, yeah, Frida, <laughs> Frida lost, lost the address or whatever. And oh, she's right. like, and who is Frida? It's my secretary. And who are you? I'm Frida's boss. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's that's great. a great, fantastic, yes. again, great comic construction. And he's just doing it on the fly. And this all comes from, you know, his years of doing, you know, just re- having read the, the, and, and read so much about Caddyshack and, and the, the beginnings of National Lampoon and Doug Kenny and all those guys. And, this, you know, th- this is such well honed skill that they have, yeah. you know, and then here we are and here you are years later, years after Saturday Night Live, years after all of this, and it's just able to come out. And that's why it's so wise for him to just for the director, to just put the camera on him and let it roll. And it's, it, you know, uh, I, I think it, it has such big payoffs in this movie 
because you're you are sort of sitting there going, what's he going to do next? How are you going to get out of this one? You it really is doing that to you. You're not anticipating that, you know, oh, gosh, this time it's going to go bad. You're you're actually sort of (laughs) salivating and going, oh, I can't wait to see how the the thing in the plane mechanic with the other plane mechanics. Oh, my God. That's great. That's hysterical. You the guy from Ajax? Yeah, you bet. All right. Who are you bringing the eighth? Yeah, oh, well, they're on their way. I'm the supervisor. I don't carry this stuff. Who's bringing them, Freddie? Yeah, Freddie. Supposed to be here over an hour ago, boy. Well, traffic was murder. You know, one of those uh, manure spreaders jackknifed on the Santa Ana. God awful mess. You should see my shoes. Whew. There was never a moment when I'm watching this where I really got worried about him because I'm like, well, Chevy Chase, he's going to get out of it somehow. So (laughs) it was fun, but um, I enjoyed it. But I was never on the edge of my seat thinking, ooh, we're right. And again, not to compare it. I keep going back to Beverly Hills Cop. I'm like that there was a threat of real malice, mm. you know, mm-hmm. again, very different movies. And I don't know why I don't mean to keep, but I guess maybe because they were so close though. together. Not, they came out six months apart and they're, and it's really clearly trying to kind of ape that in some ways, yeah. you know, and this is much lighter, you know, it doesn't start, you know, Beverly Hills Cop starts with a murder, right, you know, right, bullet right. to the head. Um, this is not mm. that this is more, this is a little more lighthearted. How many Sheila's? Well, if it wasn't obvious, I'm I'm sounding a little I'm a little flip floppy and lukewarm on this movie. I wish I you guys are making me more excited about it. I really I liked it. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just tired. Maybe all the talk about my pokey bum bum last week has has wiped me out. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) You know, if I did some sit ups in the morning or bent over like this, I'd probably feel 100 percent. Moon River. Thank you, Doc. You ever serve time? Breathe easy. Breathe easy. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, you using the whole fist, Doc? Just relax. It was fun watching it. It was fun to throw back. I, I'd, I'd give it, I'd give it a, uh, a six and a half. That's not bad. That's not a bad. That's not no. bad. That's good. No, 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 no. I mean, it's not good, but it's not bad. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> you know what? I was like, because I, I remember I was trying to get my kids to watch it with me. Mm. I really, and, and you know, they, like everything, they say no. They, all they do is say no to me now. They don't want to oh. do anything with their dad. But, no. But it was, it was also afterwards, I thought, you know what? It's okay. I don't think, I don't know if they would have liked it as much. And like, this isn't going to be a movie that I'm going to push on them. Mm-hmm. Like Beverly Hills Cop, when I, after I rewatched that, I'm like, they got to watch it. They got to see it. It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. And this one I really enjoyed, but I thought, okay, I don't, I, I didn't need to force my kids to watch it. But he's, but he, <laughs> he's a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I force my children to watch this. Dan. What do you think? I go by, I'm going to go by you, Jason. I'm 8.5. Oh, 8. that's 5. where I was going to be is at 8.5. That's exactly what I had in my head. That's it. But do it's- I want to go to an 8.25 or an 8.75 just to outdo someone? <laughs> On this podcast, I don't know who <laughs> whatever you think, but no, I'll stick with eight point five. That's a good, 5. good mark. 5. That's a good mark. Yeah, because it's exactly what did I give? Nothing but trouble. A two, <laughs> two, four, six, eight is exactly <laughs> four and a half times four point two five times better than nothing but trouble. So that's ridiculous. Good. Well, that's good. That's perfect. <laughs> I mean, your math is so sound. Thank it's so you. sound. Um, fantastic, Fletch. Fletch. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? 
How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Okay, everybody. All right. Let's get okay. serious. Yeah. About comedy. Yeah, it's like time for our top 10 comedic performances of all time. Yes, the movie Fletch inspired us to think about our favorite comic performances in film. And I think Fletch was a good one to tie this to because Fletch is a movie that really is all about that singular performance. Not that that has to be the criteria by any stretch of the imagination, but when a movie is all about what one comic performance is bringing to it, you know, that uh, that kind of uh, uh, that ties in nicely with uh, with this top 10. Uh, this was a very difficult list to put together, I think, for all of us. I think for me, this was more difficult than the superhero list. It's the oh, most God, difficult yes. one we've had to do. This was an impossible list. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't I think do. much about it when you first mentioned it. I'm like, eh, well, it won't be that t- tough. I, it's I impossible. Could, yeah, I could do 50. I could do a top yeah. 50. Uh, yeah. There's no problem. So I, so I had some, I'm going to say my criteria here. Go ahead. Uh, oh boy. And, and within this, I'll squeeze in a couple honorable mentions, I guess. But uh, my criteria was that in each, in each case, the performance had to be the central performance in the movie, or at least oh. you'd have to be able to make an No, just for me, just oh. for me, because I should everything. have done that. That would have no, made no, it no. easier. That's just, it was just because it's just, there's just so many, or I had to be able to make an argument to that effect. Um, huh. That's why my honorable mentions, and I have a few, they're all, they're all supporting. They're all supporting. Now I'm just going to okay. rattle them off right now. I'm not going to talk about them oh. in any degree because there's no, there's no time, there's no time. Um, Al Pacino, Dick Tracy. I'm going to talk about it in a couple of weeks. Brilliant comedic performance. Aquafina, Crazy Rich Asians. Yes. Mm. Fantastic, fantastic performance. Chris Tucker in Friday. Yes. Brilliant. Eugene Levy in A Mighty Wind. Might be his mm. finest moment ever. That's a crazy character that he plays, and it holds against all odds throughout that movie. And as we discussed last week, Carol Burnett in Annie. She didn't wind up making the 10 because I because she is an off-center performance. She is a supporting performance. So that was the criteria I used. And then my further little criteria is that uh, because I had a list where the movie that is, the, the movie, the performance that is now my number 10 was my number one. <gasps> and it switched because I shifted my criteria. There are a couple of slots on my list. They're not ties between performances in totally separate movies, but they're they're ties in the sense that more than one person or performance occupies that that central performance mm, sure, d- yeah. distinction. And I couldn't really parse it out between, you know, the people. So I was like, if it applies to more than one person, well, then it needs to go lower on the list, because I think the higher degree of difficulty is when it's one person kind of really holding that center and 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 making the magic. So that's what I decided to do. I was like, I could end with the big cheat for number one and be like, everybody in blah, blah, blah. But I decided instead of that, (laughs) I would go to the bottom of my list with that and then and then get more specific and hone in on singular performances as the numbers uh, as we get higher and higher. So that's that was my criteria. For where I'm at, and I can jump into my number ten, or you guys can discuss your criteria. Or I guess we can do that as we each hit our 
our uh, our number tens, we can say what we're sure what we're about. All right. So my number ten is the cast of Waiting for Guffman. The yes! entire cast. I knew it. It's the yes. entire cast of Waiting the for whole Guffman. Cast of, yeah. Yeah. And, and I thought I was going to do the same thing because I'm like, you can't. You, I, I <laughs> you don't can't know. You can't parse him out. I mean, Christopher <laughs> no. Guest is, ju- is ju- you know, he's the, he's the head of the team, you know, whatever, the captain, whatever. He's, that performance is pretty uh, unparalleled, but everybody is so good and they all work in tandem. Uh, I, you know, to me, it's, it's an entire top 10 list of geniuses right yeah. in that movie so mm-hmm. it was, was like, like you could take you could take parker posey like i, I was like is she gonna be on my list i'm like no but then you like, miller fred willard amazing Catherine amazing so i you know but mm-hmm. and quirky st Clair at the center the nucleus <laughs> oh yeah of this this madhouse <laughs> it's it's just it's a perfect it's a perfect oh. film for me and and it's a a, 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 a coalition of perfect performances so and we've talked about it uh, at length so i'm not going to go much further into it but yeah waiting for guffman the whole kitten caboodle that that cast is my number oh. 10 Mwah, so good well we've traveled long and far today we must let the women and children rest don't you rest on our account daniel potter we women are just as strong and resilient as you men ha 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 i do believe you are rebecca i do believe you are California will be a sight for these weary eyes. That will be quite enough of that, Billy Whitaker. Just one kiss. There will be plenty of time for kissing when we get to California. If we get to California. Hark, a rider approaches. Gather round, for I have news. Just up yonder, there is a ridge. How high ridge, I could not tell. Fredo, what's your... Oh, God. My criteria was just uh, fretting and crying and screaming and bothering my wife. What about this? What about this? What about this? Because, again, I thought this was going to be so easy. And I'm like, it's fucking impossible. It's impossible. Because, yeah, exactly as you said. I mean, I was like, do I want to combine whole casts like that because that's right. just also that's just how comedy works you know yeah. i mean the duo the, t- the t- so so i don't know i don't really have a criteria i mean i'm looking at my original list i mean it's just endless it just scrolls down oh, yeah. so i'll throw out i will throw out two honorable mentions Mm-hmm. Um, just because I, I want to, mm-hmm. um, I had, uh, as, as a duo, I had Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and Shaun of the Dead <gasps> yeah. because so good. God damn it. They're so funny. They're so good. <laughs> if, if I had to go for one, maybe Nick Frost, but like if I, if I had to say, but they, they just work, they're, they're just beautiful together. But I wanted to bring this guy up because he's probably not mentioned too much on podcasts. And I think he's an unsung hero of comedy and Rico Colantoni and <gasps> Galaxy Quest. Oh my God. Yes. yes. Yep. Yes. yes, as the main alien. He's wonderful. As um, He's what wonderful. the hell is his name again? Now I'm completely blank. Mathazar. He, oh I mean, God. He's so good. my God, I don't know if you can find a better example of of physical and vocal comedy. What he yep. does, it's so good. It seems so effortless. He's on my list too. Somewhere. Oh, wow. We are Thermians from the Klaatu Nebula. Our people are being systematically hunted and slaughtered by Rathaseris Fatukri. We are to meet in negotiation, however. Our efforts in this regard have been disastrous. Please, Commander, you are our last hope. Okay, shit, maybe it should have been my 10. No, uh, okay, my 10 is 
Okay, it's my only tie. Oh, wait, Colin Tony's an honorable mensch for you. He was yeah. my honorable oh, mensch. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I okay, I thought you were doing your number ten. Okay, gotcha. No, uh, my my ten is my is my only tie, and I I I I hate to do it. I hate to to <laughs> cheat like that, but I'm going to. It is a pair of fantastically funny females, Madeline Kahn mm. in this is this might surprise you. History of the World Part One. Oh, I was not expecting that. Oh my God. Yeah. She fucking kills me in that movie. I forgot how goddamn funny she was until we rewatched it. Yeah. It's so subtle. <laughs> Just these little looks she gives. I was howling like a goddamn lunatic. I mean, she's <laughs> funny in everything she does. Another Hofstrian, by the way. Yes, yes, exactly. She was on my list many times. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she's moved around and yeah, she's brilliant. And for many things, like you say. She's so, so, many things. so many things. And in another Mel Brooks movie, Cloris Leachman as Frau Blucha <laughs> for one word only, and that word is Ovaltine. Nothing. Thank you. I'm a little tired. That's so good, Fred. That's so good. They're both so, so great. On on the Madeline Kahn note, I'm just going to say, uh, because my wife was like, you have to say what like for my wife, she was, I was asking her, she's got her own list, but the one she's mm. like, the one you have to mention, and it's mostly because of Madeline Kahn, Clue, that ensemble, yeah. Pink Clue, the whole ensemble yeah. for okay. her. She yep. said that everybody's great, but especially Madeline Kahn. And it's, she's, it's the movie that's had the most, the greatest influence on her writing as a playwright has been oh, Clue. Interesting. Clue. Wow. Yeah. I hated her so much. It, it, the, it, flame, flames, flames. On the side of my face. Danny. It's me. Um, oh, wait, I'm writing these down as we go. So your number 10 was Leachman and Khan. That's great. And uh, yeah, we just lost uh, Cloris Leachman not too long ago. God yeah. damn it. What a legend. Um, yeah, I, my criteria, I, I didn't really, I just kind of went with, you know, I, I made a huge, giant, massive, massive master list <laughs> and just started whittling. Yeah. And that was really yeah. it. And I was like, this person has to be above this person. Well, I like this person in this movie more. And I just started whittling away. And they're, 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 it's far and wide. I like people who take big, big swings. Yeah. But I also like, you know, there were some things that made my list where I was like, wow, I'm surprised that that's on there yeah. because it's not a big swing, you know? So yeah. um, um, uh, my honorable mentions were Steven Root in Office Space, <laughs> um, which we've talked about on this yeah. podcast. He, I mean, that's a big swing. You know, that's the kind of performance yeah. I'm drawn to where I'm mm-hmm. like, it's chameleonic, it's virtuosic. It's a, it's a physical and a vocal choice that is way beyond who the person is in life in other roles, et cetera. And it, and it's a, and it's, uh, um, whether it succeeds a hundred percent of the time or not, it's a big swing. And I, I deeply appreciate it. Um, my other honorable mention is Graham Chapman in life of Brian, uh, uh, which is yes. the first Monty Python movie I ever saw. He's fucking fantastic in that he's great in, in the other Monty Python movies as well, especially Holy grail, but mm-hmm. something about him in life of Brian, he really went there. Um, he, he it's deeply vulnerable and it's, it's, um, multifaceted and, uh, and I, I just love him in that and hilarious to boot. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't seen life of Brian, um, my number 10 is Carol Burnett. 
as Miss Hannigan uh, in Annie. So good. Um, uh, yeah, after that rewatch the other night, I was like, this is laser beam specific. This is so incredibly focused, so funny, and yet so alive and vibrant and 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 finding it moment to moment to moment as she's doing it. And her big number, her two big numbers, you know, Little <laughs> oh Girls God. and then Easy Street, the group number with Tim Curry and uh, Bernadette Peters are, are I, I think, as much show stealers as anything else yeah. in that movie. And I loved her in it. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I almost forgot. Mr. Warbucks prefers redheaded children. Ten-year-old redhead, huh? Yes. No, sorry, ain't got it. Well, what about this child? Annie? Yes. Oh, <laughs> you don't want Annie. <laughs> well, why not? <laughs> she's, uh, she's a drunk. She kind of tops my honorable mentions, but uh, yeah, she was number 10 on mine for a while. And then I was like, that's just so overstuffed. What's a way to like winnow it down? And right, you know, that's yeah, how right. I did it. Uh, what's your, we'll do the pendulum. What's your number nine, Dan? Oh, the pendulum, the pen. Now this was one of the ones where I was like, I have to, I have to have her in my top 10. She's amazing in uh -huh. this. It was a rewatch that I, you know, a movie I didn't particularly care for before we rewatch it for the podcast it's share in moonstruck as loretta <gasps> oh, damn she it does my heart so much good my god she's fucking good in it just watching clips again just to prepare for this i was tearing up what's great about the, her performance in this is that she constantly does not want to fall in love with him. She's yeah. trying not to be, even till the very end, where she's like, what do you mean you're not marrying me? To the Aiello character. <laughs> right, you know? right. And then that wonderful moment where she's like, oh, my, I love him awful. You know, yeah. it's so funny and so charming, so heartwarming at the same time. She is brilliant in that. Yeah, and so she is, you're uh, right. Cher. That's why there's been no woman since that wrong woman, okay? You're scared to death of what the wolf will do if you try and make that mistake again. What are you doing? I'm telling you, you lied. Stop it. No. He he made me look the wrong way, and I cut off my hand. He could make you look the wrong way. You could lose your whole head. I'm looking where I have to to become a bride. A bride without a head. A wolf without a foot. I'm so happy she's on your list because that was uh, one casualty of my list was that nobody from Moonstruck is on it. And, and at different points, several people from Moonstruck were on yeah, it. I imagine. So, I imagine um, so. Fredo, what's your number nine? My lips are real, real chapped. John Hader, Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Big swing. Huge swing. Huge. Yeah, big swing. Huge right. swing. Huge uh, swing. Yep. And and it, and it's it's one of the oddest movies I've ever seen. Yes. God. It remains to be, but I, I like I could watch it over and over again and just be charmed by him. He's so lovable yet unlikable. Oh. And it's just <laughs> That's it. That's it. It's crazy. It's a crazy crazy character you've never seen anything like it on screen girls only want boyfriends who have great skills aren't you pretty good at drawing like animals and warriors and stuff yes probably the best that i know of my number nine so now we'll do the pendulum so i'll do my nine and eight together <gasps> and these slots are my two duo slots and then after this it's all singular performances oh, but these are two duos Number nine is Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal in When Harry yeah. Met Sally. Oh, yes. Just the the alchemy of the two of them is so special. I would never have put those two people together, which is why it's such a great movie. <laughs> you know, they don't they seem like they might not make it. But um, and they're both beautiful in it. I never, ever would have thought of Billy Crystal as a romantic lead before mm -hmm. in my life. But he's so warm. 
and compelling. He's got such a lovely quality here, such a lovely screen presence. I know he's hysterically funny, but he's also so warm and vulnerable. Um, and talk about a vulnerability. Meg Ryan is she's beautiful. She, oh, she's wonderful. She's a and real so like funny. Lucille Ball type uh, yeah. comedian mm-hmm. in this. I mean, her her heartbreak and that scene where she finds out the the ex-boyfriend got married and the, the the night where they kind of fall into bed together, her and Crystal, and when she's allows herself, it's it's one of those Oof. completely vanity-less performances or moments i mean she's just she's dripping with snot and she's just running her hair's crazy and she's just she's it's that it's that worst night of your life thing and she is fully there what's the matter with me nothing i'm difficult you're challenging i'm too structured i'm completely closed off but in a good way and i'm gonna be 40 when in eight years. But it's there. Great choice. And number eight, and I imagine one or both of these guys shows up on somebody's list. Maybe not. Charles Grodin and Robert De Niro in Midnight yes. Run. Yes. Yes. I, I, yes. I, this yes. movie decimated me when I saw I did not think it was going to be a funny movie. It <laughs> mm-hmm. was, I thought it was going to be uh, like, I thought it was going to be more more Beverly Hills Copish, and it does have. Isn't Martin Brest directed? Martin both, Brest, right? yeah, same director. Uh, yeah, but this one is so funny and and so moving to me. I just it, both of those guys, Charles Grodin. I didn't know much about Charles Grodin when I saw this movie mm-hmm. as a teenager, mm. and to me, it doesn't even feel like he's acting. But that's kind of his great <laughs> gift <laughs> in everything. Right. It's kind of like yeah, it, it was like oh, this guy who's on talk shows is being himself in this movie is what it felt like. And I was like, but I was like, he's so incredibly so funny. And then yeah. Robert De Niro, who had never done into my knowledge, a comedy before this or had no, never he started allowed, out doing comedies. Oddly enough, I had no His idea. First three movies were oh, improv right. comedies. Oh my God. With Brian so De Palma. Crazy. Yeah. Funny. Crazy. Well, that's why it's so amazing. It seems like such a revelation because you can tell so much of this has to be improv. I remember thinking when I was, I was like, that whole scene on the bus, why aren't you popular with the Chicago, Chicago Police Department? <laughs> First time I saw that, I was like, this can't be written down anymore. Right. This can't be yeah. written. If it's a script, then this is the greatest acting any two people have ever done ever. <laughs> okay. Why aren't you popular with Chicago uh, Police that's Department? That's a holiday. What do we know each other? Get, what did, take why? It. Why? Did she hurt you, Janet? Yeah. I'm sorry. What are you sorry about? I'm sorry you're hurt. I'm not hurt. You just said you were hurt. I'm not hurt. You just said you were I hurt. I didn't say I was hurt. You said I was I hurt. I asked you if you were hurt, and you said, yeah, I'm hurt. That's because you you made me say it. You're starting to put words in my mouth. Jack, you're a grown man. You have control over your own words. You're goddamn right I do. So here come two words for you. Shut the fuck up. It's like watching a cooking show where you're like, what? Those two ingredients? Like, how do those flavors work together? Yeah. It's like, oh, when you put them in your mouth, it's just incredible. You never would have guessed. That's what... Charles Grodin and Robert De Niro in Midnight Run are for me. <laughs> so, awesome. yeah. Uh, Fredo, what's your number eight? Oh, goodness. My number eight. Uh, a movie that we watched on the podcast. Uh, a Fish Called Wanda. <gasps> Kevin Klein. Yeah. His Otto. I love it. I love it. It's so good. It's so... The, 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 his physicality, his wit. It's just such a... It's a brilliantly drawn character. Mm-hmm. And he just plays it so well. And he's one of the few uh, comedic performances to win a, an Academy Award, yep. to win an Oscar for it, and deservedly so. Yeah. Yeah, he just, he just, oh, and, and again, 
a, a very grounded character, but huge swings. Yeah. Like re- oh, that yeah. sex scene with Jamie Lee Curtis, <laughs> you know, sniffing his underarm and the boots <laughs> and crazy. God, he's just, he's, he's crazy in it. He's unhinged. He's pure anarchy in yeah. it. <laughs> it's kick again. Kick a coming to kick a kick kill me. <laughs> Are you going to kick a catch me? Kick a can. It's a sort of a towering comedic performance in my mind. Love it. That's great. Great, good, good choice. Danny, what is your number eight? Uh, My number eight is Cedric the Entertainer as Eddie in Barbershop. Oh, I've Uh, never seen that. Oh, you gotta see Barbershop. That's really good. Oh, you would love it, Fred. It's really, really great. Um, Cedric the Entertainer is the is sort of the old barber. They age him up and this, yep. they give him this wig and this or I assume it's a wig. I don't know, but this gray hair and everything, and they age him up. Um, and uh, it is really really funny. He's the he's the he's the old barber yeah. of the barber shop, and he's sort of the he walks both sides of the line between like the wise old sage of the barber shop as he sort of is to the ice ice cube character in wonderful scenes where he talks about like you know. Um, the history of the barbershop and the history of Chicago and what and what they've lived through and what he's seen and all that. And he has all these great scenes. And then these incredibly irreverent scenes where he says very controversial things about Rosa Parks and Jesse right, Jackson and right. OJ and stuff that, mm. you know, turned the barbershop on its ear and and got some some controversial reactions yes. uh, uh, over the years. What I'm saying here is that black people need to stop lying. Say something. Mm-hmm. There's three things that black people need to tell the truth about. What? One, one, Rodney King should have yeah. got an ass beat for driving drunk and being grown in a Hyundai. Two, OJ did it. OJ did it. And three, Rosa Park ain't do nothing but sit her black ass down. That's right. I said it. I love the scene where he teaches the other barbers how to do a proper shave. Um, that's kind of my favorite scene in the movie where he's like, let me show you, let me show you and get me some hot towels. And he puts the hot towels yeah, on the guy and he great. takes out the straight razor and it's a, it's a gorgeous, beautiful scene. So it's a multifaceted in that way. So, and, and it, but it doesn't fall into sentimentality or mawkishness ever. It always, it always is, you know, the funny comes first. And he also happens to be um, the wise old man in the room. I I, I love this performance. Oh, that's great! It's that's really I gotta check good it out. Choice. I've never yeah. seen the movie. Yeah, what's, yeah, yeah. What's yeah. your number seven, bud? Uh, seven is Enrico Colantoni uh, from wow. Galaxy Quest as Mathazar, yeah. the leader of the Thermians. So good. Yes, he did walk into the audition um, right? and 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 make some broad choices as this basically this you know calamari in a in a human body. Yeah. Uh, and he made some vocal choices, and they were like, "I love that." Um, and then yeah, basically they took all the aliens to alien school, right. all of the, all of the Thermians, and they were like, "This is kind of what we want you to do." Is yeah. is this? And that scene where he finds out that they're all actors when he is lying on the bed and being tortured and he says, but why, but why? Because they don't understand what a lie is. Yeah. I I think about it. I start to cry because they're basically little children, the Thermians, you know? So there's that. It's a beautiful performance. It's a brilliant performance. He should have won the fucking Oscar for it. It's so brilliant. He's really great. It it, it reminds me of, of uh, Vincent D'Onofrio in Men in Black when he plays yes, the yes. on the bug suit and he's yeah. like, totally. and he's like oh. the bug putting on the human suit and so this ridiculous <laughs> oversized performance but uh, but in that case you're supposed to be put off by the character and this you're right you've got to like you, that's a that's a very interesting thing to do as an actor it, for a character that has to draw 
people in and draw in our care right. and our sympathy and 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 he has to be likable while also lovable. We have to make us love. He has to make us love him. And believe he's going to be the new captain at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, we don't have a captain, and he's like, no, I think so we do. Good. It's you. Oh, it's Even the way so he walks, good. like you, <laughs> you watch him with the with the other Thermians and like. They all do it okay, but his walk yeah, exactly. is just, it looks like, it's like, yeah, like a squid right. in, in a meat costume right. trying to shuffle. It's so It's so smart. It, it's so smart. Yeah. Fred, what's your number seven? My number seven, this was another, this was one where, yes, I'm like, I really should just go with everyone because it's hard to yeah. separate, mm. hard to parse. But there was one performance within this uh, gang of geniuses mm-hmm. That I chose to focus on, and that is Christopher Guest as Mr. Nigel Tufnell in This Is Spinal Tap. Yeah. Yeah. This guy's to 11. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was like thinking, he's so fucking stupid, yet so lovable, and just takes himself so serious. Oh, yeah. And like, when, when he has moments of when he sort of comes up on top, when he's like giving um, Michael McKeon's girlfriend shit about, you know, I think that'd be better in Dublin. Yeah. And he's making fun of her. Like I cheer. I'm like, yes, Nigel got one over on her. Finally. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. He, I just, I love him in that. He's, to, he's, he's, he's the heart of that movie. Yeah, right. And uh, he's brilliant in everything he does. How do you pick it? But, if I had to pick one, oh, I love it. Christopher Guest performance, Nigel Tufnell. I love, I love it. when I love he's it. complaining about the sandwiches. Look, this, this miniature bread, it's like, I've been working with this now for about half an hour. I can't figure out, let's say I want a mm-hmm. bite, right? You've got this. You'd like bigger bread? Exactly. I don't yeah. understand how it's like. You could fold this, though. I mean, you could well, no, it. then it's half the size. No, not the bread. You yeah, but then it, then it breaks up, it breaks no, no, apart no, no. like this. No, no, no. You put it on the bread like this, see? But then if you, you keep it. folding it, it keeps breaking. Well, why would you keep and folding it? And then everything has to be folded. My number seven is Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice. Oh, uh, yes. Yes. He would make your list. He's only in the movie for about 15 minutes, but he's the title character. He is Crazy. still the central mm. performance. He is the, the nucleus of that film. Uh, but every time he's on screen, I mean, the impact he makes, it's like a fireworks display every time he's on screen. All right, let's get down to business. You're right. I got a card around here somewhere. Here, here. Who do I have to kill? Here, hold that for me, would you? There. Whoa! Ah, there, you there you go. You don't have to kill anybody. Ah, possession. God. Learn to throw your voice. Fool your friends. Fun and party. <gasps> Yeah, it's like every trick in the book. It's like everything Keaton's ever done or ever will do, like smashed into like this tight little vacuum packed cube. And then it's like a button is pressed on the side. You say the name three times and then everything just goes fucking nuts. He makes the absolute most of every second on screen. He's electrifying. Uh, That's it. Beetlejuice. And then my number six, uh, my number six is another favorite of mine. Jim Carrey in Liar Liar. Oh, because this is not his best movie by a long shot. Um, His best movies, he are usually things like Truman Show and especially Eternal Sunshine, where he's really he's, you know, he's going to deeper places and they're more layered performances. But, you know, and I love him in Ace Ventura. When I first saw Ace Ventura, which I did not want to see, I was dating Annette at the time. (laughs) I had never seen In Living Color, really, or I'd seen little bits and pieces. So I'd say I knew who he was. I knew he was the guy from In Living Color. And I was like, this looks so fucking stupid. I can't believe you want to go see Ace Ventura Pet Detective. I was like, (laughs) it was like seeing Joe Dirt or something or like, you know what I mean? Like, it was like, this is going to be fucking horrible. And the first 
like second. It's like him playing a UPS guy walking yeah, down the street kicking the box. and kicking a box around. And I was like, this guy's amazing. I was like, how did I miss him? How did I not know he was this good? I was like, at, at this, all this in the service of this story or this yeah. thing. Now with Liar Liar, it is it is the ultimate physical comedy performance. Another performance that almost was on here somewhere for me was Steve Martin in All of Me. You know, where yeah. at war with the you know, literally oh, yeah. he got Lily yeah. Tomlin inside himself, and he's at war with the other part of his body. Great performance, but this, I mean, it's just the tension in. Every molecule of Jim Carrey throughout this movie is mesmerizing. He's constantly straining. You know, he's a fucking defense lawyer who can't or divorce lawyer who cannot tell a lie. It's a perfect conceit. He is just in such angst and grief. He's he's beat red the whole movie. The contortions he goes through both physically and emotionally. It's such a smart performance, too. It's really it's completely it's over the top it's as broadly drawn as any jim carrey performance but it's also it makes complete sense the internal logic of everything he's doing and the struggles uh are 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 the struggles real is your relationship with my client entirely platonic not is not your relationship with my client boy bad baby bad baby did you ever not make did you Mystery! You had sex with her every time you met, didn't you? Didn't you? Liar! He's badgering the witness. It's his witness. You slammed her, you dumped her donut, you gave her dog a sausage, you stuffed her like a Thanksgiving turkey! I this was I just switched this. Like right before we started. <gasps> My number, what is this? This is number five? This, you should be on six right you now. You should be on six. Because you just did Christopher seven, Guest with seven oh, right, in six. Spinal Tap. Yes, my number six was, I guess this is a way of cheating. I had um, <laughs> Sasha Barra Cohen as, as Borat yeah, on there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I just, and it, 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 he should still be on there, but I had to switch it because I, oh. I it dawned on me. I'm like, oh my God, I forgot someone. And I couldn't forget them. Gene Wilder in The Producers. I, so this is I a tie love, for six tie? between Cohen no, and Wilder? No, it's not a tie. I, I knocked, I knocked uh, Borat off. Oh, he's, Borat is not on your list. That's what I'm saying. He originally okay. was my number oh, six. Wow. Okay. So, okay. Um, and I pulled him off because at the last second, I thought, wait, 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 wait no. <laughs> uh, Gene Wilder and the producers. I love Gene Wilder and everything. Young Frankenstein really is like his crowning glory. <laughs> yeah. it's, he's, he's amazing in that. And Willy Wonka, obviously. But his, if, if nothing else, just for the opening scene in the producers <laughs> with him and Zero Mostel, yeah. I cry watching him in that. He's <laughs> the hysterical. I mean, that's really where we first see that sort of that hysterical thing that Gene Wilder does and does so well. And so many people have based their performances on that. I mean, I was just reading, I think I sent it to you yeah, guys that Kinnison like thing, Sam right? Kinison yeah. based his whole screaming shtick on Gene Wilder, Amazing. which I had no idea about. What is that? A handkerchief? What? Nothing. That's nothing. There's nothing. Why can't I see? Ah! My blanket! My blue blanket! Give me my blue blanket! Oh, you do it! Oh, you do it! Oh, you do it! Oh, you do Amazing. But he's so, he's just so good at that. that containment keeping it yeah. all contained and just with that mischief and that glint in his eyes <laughs> and it's all there but when it blows it fucking blows yeah. and there's You're nothing right. like it nothing like hearing gene wilder scream <laughs> <laughs> dan what's your number six 
my number six is Eddie Murphy as Billy Ray Valentine in Trading Places. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. This is one of those movies like Galaxy Quest. You know, you could have picked Alan Rickman. You could have picked Tony Shalhoub. Mm-hmm. You could have picked anybody. With this movie, you could pick Denim Elliott, for God's sake. He's fucking <laughs> unbelievable in this. Jamie Lee Curtis, once again, Dan Aykroyd. So many other, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> Ralph Bellamy and, and Don Amici are great. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, but Eddie Murphy is so great because of the journey he takes throughout yeah. the movie from, you know, um, a homeless, destitute, <laughs> pretending to be a legless <laughs> Vietnam veteran to, you know, running the company and 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 doing doing that well. And then, um, you know, uh, being the victim of the of the Bellamy Amici um, sort of machinations as much, if not, you know, as much as, uh, as Aykroyd is. Um, and they're a great duo. This is another one that you could pick like a, yeah. uh, you know, like Zero Mostel and, and Gene Wilder or, yeah. or Ryan and Billy Crystal. They are a great duo together, but I think what elevates um, um, uh, Billy Ray Valentine's, uh, uh, the character, what, what elevates Eddie Murphy's performance in the character um, a little higher is the, just the journey uh, that it takes and his journey of, uh, of discovery of himself that he can actually, you know, he can actually do this stuff. This is my stuff, my place, huh? I can do what I want with this stuff, right? This, this is my base here, right? This is Billy Ray's base, right? I own this base, and I can play like Harlem Globe try to shit with it, right? Okay, you want Miller Lemon shit, right? <laughs> hey, man, I'm sorry about that. Perfectly all right, William. It was your vase. That's the cheap vase, man. That was a fake, right? What's your number, number five for me is Melissa McCarthy as Megan in Bridesmaids. That's my four. Yeah. That's my number four. <laughs> this She's is amazing. This She's performance so is a fucking so game changer. It is a huge, yeah. huge game changer for comedy. It's a huge game changer for women in comedy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's it, That movie was a game changer. I love yeah. this movie. Um, I need to do a rewatch of it. I watched some some clips in preparation for this. Howling with laughter. I love the scene. And that's her real life husband, right? Who plays yes, the, the, yes. the guy in the airplane. I love those scenes with him, with between the two of them. And she lifts of, her leg up. Oh my <laughs> god! And he he goes to move it, and she goes, "Oh, looks like somebody got a souvenir." I mean, obviously that's all improvised. You know, um, I read some She's stuff about how she auditioned for it and just completely nailed it, and just went to the moon on her audition. And the, you know, another thing, another one like. Some of the other performances we've been talking about where it's like, okay, the only scripted line is, you know, let's go to the restroom and not rest. And then the rest of it is her just going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But I also love that scene where she's with Kristen Wiig and she's like, oh, I'm life. I'm life coming at you. Yeah. You know, I'm your life. You got to fight. You got to yeah. fight against your own life. Oh, this is this is life, you know, and she finally slaps her and goes, that's good. You know, it's yeah. a wonderful scene. It's so yeah, heartfelt because she's, she that's her way of caring for another another person and then she talks about having been bullied and how she had to like fight against life. it's a wonderful it. dynamic it, multifaceted performance and I, I love that about it and another big swing I have to get back to my seat yeah you gotta get back on my seat uh, 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 uh. you get it? no I think yeah I, I definitely got it uh oh what's that? I gotta get back to my seat could you just move your leg please I gotta go uh oh uh oh, somebody found a souvenir. You feel that steam heat coming? That's from my undercarriage. Okay. That can go up and higher. 
Fredo, what's your number five? Five? You didn't say your yeah, number your five Yeah, your six was yet. Gene Wilder. Wait, what? Your you six was Gene Wilder. Nine, eight, seven, six. Oh, so, so I'm sorry. Melissa McCarthy's my number five. Yes. Sorry, yeah. I thought it was four. Yes, yes, yes. I apologize. No, I'm, all, that's I'm, great. All, that's great. I'm off a cocktail. Yes, no, Melissa McCarthy was my number five. Yeah. Oh, so you both had Melissa McCarthy yeah, yeah, yeah. in Bridesmaids as number five. Fantastic. Yep, yep. I can't count. So that's why I got confused. No, I'm okay. looking at my, my list is, is upside down. Well, what's so, so funny is, uh, so, so my number five is Kristen Wiig in Bridesmaids. Yes. <laughs> oh, good, good, uh, good. You know, and it was the same thing. It's like, I, Melissa McCarthy, at first I was like, is it going to be just the two of them? You know, at first it was like, is it going to be just Melissa McCarthy? <laughs> and then I did that, you know, the the central performance criteria. So I was like, all right, no. But I was like, well, but she's so good. So I'm so glad you guys both have her on the list because she is brilliant. But Kristen Wiig, again, she's that, the beating heart of the movie, you know. Um, and it actually, it made me think of... Uh, as I was thinking about her performance, it reminded me of what we said in the uh, the Kevin Shinnick Spider-Man episode when I talk about Peter Parker and Spider-Man 2 and how that movie, it's just shit piled on him at every turn and you can't waiting for the you can't, you can't wait for the light at the end of the tunnel for this character and that's she feels like peter parker to me just put upon and knocked down and knocked mm-hmm. back every step of the way and and how she how she grapples with it all how she rises to the occasion or doesn't rise to the occasion or or her her insecurities and petty jealousies get the best of her it's just a it's a it's a masterful performance she's a great actress in general a great comic talent uh you know in fact this is probably interestingly you know because we knew her for so many years on saturday night live playing all these really funny broadly drawn characters and then for this to be her kind of her her entree into hollywood and she wrote Mm. this with uh uh, Annie Mumolo, I believe, is her writing partner. But, you know, to create this vehicle for herself and to show what a wonderful actress she is, serious actress she is, on top of being such a, a great comedian. Um, the scene where she and Rose Byrne are one-upping each other at the engagement party <laughs> oh, yeah. when she, you know, <laughs> she keep taking the microphone back and forth. She's just, it's, you know, like all great comedy, it's, it's all great. born out of her insecurities and her fears. That's it for tonight. Thank you for coming. Really quick. Thank you all for coming. I just wanted to say really Dessert quick. wine is out. <laughs> Consuelo? Really quick. Speaking of Consuelo, Lillian and I took Spanish together in school. And so I would just like to say to you and to everyone here, gracias. Para vivar en la casa, en las escuelas, en el azul marcada, tienes con vivir en las fortuitas. And my number four is Gene Wilder in Young Frankenstein. Yay. Uh, he's just, he's perfect. He's perfect. Uh, he makes that, I love that movie, but he really makes that film for me and and yeah and he's the same in blazing saddles and the producers he's just and willy wonka he was yeah. an incredible performer he has the most interesting he's so interesting to look at he has these big <laughs> dreamy soulful eyes yes and right then he below. has that crazy unmanageable hair he's like you can't even in a movie like this where he's supposed to be you know you can't tame that fucking mop on his head it's uh, he's he's just it's he's like a drawing he's like a perfect 
comic creation. You look at him and you want to laugh, but he's also, he plays it so <laughs> straight and so seriously. He's so goddamn funny. My favorite moment, and then, which it never fails to make me laugh, is right at the very beginning, the elderly patient on the <laughs> table. He's like, he has not. Yep. And he slides down and the, 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 the dressing gown is going up his ass and stuff. And Gene Wilder just looks at him and says, nice hopping. Nice hopping. Yes. <laughs> he's wonderful. He's just wonderful. I mean, I mean, you said it all about him. He's he's uh, you know, he's it's so interesting him in that movie, too, because you see him and you're like, ah. He's like a he's got the face of a silent movie comedian with the, yeah, the mascara does, yeah. that he's wearing too. You're like, oh, this is like a, a a Buster Keaton or Charlie Chaplin kind of guy. I mean, he he just is he's he's mesmerizing to watch. I love I love him in this movie. Uh Fred, what's your number four? Well, I realize I'm looking at my list now. I messed up and oh, I, here we go. I I only had nine. <gasps> so what? Was, yeah, well, Did you skip a I number put, somewhere? Oh. I must have skipped a number when I put it together. I was doing it. Uh, whatever. So I don't want to go into that process. I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put <laughs> okay. Borat back on. I might have flipped him, but let's just keep him on there. I'm going to put Sasha Barr Cohen as Borat. Wow, wow, he's a very nice. Uh, it, it's probably the most dangerous of all the comedic performances, <laughs> oh God, yeah. literally, yeah. literally the most dangerous. Mm -hmm. I mean, he put himself at mortal peril doing this. And I just remember seeing the original movie in the theater and, you know, and, I, and I'd watched the Ali G show. I'd, so I'd seen that character before oh, okay. and I was really sort of blown away. I'm like, who is this guy? This is fantastic. <laughs> I just remember crying, crying, yes. screaming, crying, watching this movie and, you know, it almost seems like a gimmick. And in a way it is, you know, like, well, this is, this is just a gimmick. It's just a guy putting on a funny costume and, you know, duping people. But it wouldn't work if he weren't so goddamn good and so smart and so yeah, yeah. committed and so quick. Yeah. Do you think a woman should be educated? Definitely. But is it not a problem that a woman have a smaller brain than a man? That is wrong. But the government scientist, Dr. Yamak, have proved it's it is wrong. size of squirrel. Your government scientist? Uh, yeah, so Dr. Yamak. He's wrong. He's wrong. Give me a smile, baby. Why angry face? <laughs> well, uh, what you're saying is very demeaning. Do you know the word demeaning? No. We are saying to you. I that could not concentrate on what this old man was saying. It's like Andy Kaufman-esque in a way, you know, it's like yes, this grand experiment, so. you know, it's yeah. just a weird cultural experiment, but, <laughs> oh God, he's good. That's great. He's good. So good. I'm glad I, I fucked up my list and yeah, I was able to squeeze him back mood. on there. Yeah. Danny. He makes my list as well somewhere. Yeah. Danny, what's your number four? four? My number four is, uh, oh, this will be fun. Uh, my number four is Peter Sellers as... Group Captain Lionel Mandrake, President <laughs> Merkin Muffley, and Dr. Strangelove in yes. Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Wearing and Love the Bomb, directed by Stanley Kubrick. Um, I don't, I go, I will go back and forth and back and forth of like, who is my favorite of his three characters? And I think it's the president. I think it's Merkin I, Muffley, because when he's on that fucking phone going, Dimitri, <laughs> Dimitri, no, Dimitri, I, I, it kills me. It fucking kills me. Now then, Dimitri, you know how 
we've always talked about the possibility of something going wrong with the bomb. The bomb, Dimitri. The hydrogen bomb. Well, now, what happened is um, one of our base commanders, he had a sort of, well, he went a little funny in the head. You know, just a little funny. And uh, he went and did a silly thing. Well, I'll tell you what he did. He ordered his planes to attack your country. Uh, well, let me finish, Dimitri. And He's then he's him. so different as Mandrake, being stuck in that fucking room with crazy Sterling Hayden. And yep. then and then Strange Love is just, you know, every Off man scientist from every old timey melodrama. I mean, he's with all of the, you know, the ghost hand syndrome or whatever that is. I mean, it's so wildly artistic. It's so wildly different. It's so virtuosic. But nothing kills me more than the president on the phone with the Russian premiere. Uh, my eyes are always just like agog at what Peter Sellers is able to do. Uh, and he's a real treasure that we lost uh, uh, way too soon, mm -hmm. which takes yeah. me to my number three, which is Peter Sellers in all of the <laughs> Pink Panther movies. Oh, um, yeah, as Inspector wow. Cluzo. Um, huge, massive, enormous influence on my comedy, on what I think is funny, on what I think comedy is, which is don't be in on the joke. Don't be in on it. Don't be in on it. Don't be in on it. He gives a master fucking class on don't be in on it because mm. Clouseau does not think he's funny. And that's why he's fucking funny. Whether it's him, you know, going, ah, the parallel bars and then going right down the fucking stairs um, <laughs> or or, you know, getting his hand caught in the in the Guinness spinning globe. I mean, it's everything that Chevy Chase is doing. Right. It's 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 you, you see the echoes of that in Fletch when he's dropping all of the and in, and in Ty yeah. Webb when he's trying to take the clubs out of the out of the bag and, and slamming his hand in the door. You know, there's echoes of of, of what Peter Sellers is doing all through that. And of course, that goes all the way back to fucking Buster Keaton, who I can't believe isn't on my list and, and Chaplin, who I can't believe yeah. isn't on my list and Harold Lloyd also not on my list. You know, it's like all, all the guys who, you know, the, these are their, they're the ancestors of this kind of comedy of yeah. like, you know, just do the thing you're doing, do it absolutely straight, play it for the truth and the funny will come. Um, I think my favorite moment is, is when he is talking to, um, um, the guy about the monkey and he's like, do you have a license for this minky? My friend Nick and I used to say that to each other over and over and over again. Minky, minky, chimpanzee minky. And, and, you know, just the way he's committed to the fucking accent. It's such a big swing because it's not a French accent. It's like a crazy grotesque version of French accent that no one can understand but him. Try to do something about your filthy minky. Fredo, three. What's your three? Well, we're waiting. We've spoken about him before ad nauseum. I don't know how to add on anything we've said before. It is the wonderful Mr. Ted Knight yes. as Judge Smales and Caddyshack. It's probably the most quotable characters, performances that I have on my list. I don't, I don't know what else we can say that we haven't said before. He's, it's just brilliant. It never... I never, it never fails to make me laugh watching him. I mean, you've said, and you've said it a couple times, your greatest performance yes. of the 1980s. Yes, two greatest performances right? of the 1980s, <laughs> Robert, Robert De Niro, Raging Bull. <laughs> yeah. 
Ted Knight in Caddyshack. I think that says it all. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's a beautiful, sumptuous performance. <laughs> he's he's just he's delicious. I mean, I told you when I when I had to rewatch it for you know for when we did the the tenth episode with Peter Burkrot. Kate was like, what are you laughing at so loud? And I was just howling. And it's the whole movie I find delightful, but it's him. Every line, everything that comes out of his mouth yeah. just makes me laugh. Yeah. Spalding, get your foot off the boat. You're going to eat your fat. Spalding. Spalding, get dressed. You're playing golf today. No, I'm not, Grandpa. I'm playing tennis. You're playing golf and you're going to like it. Hey, You'll get nothing and like it. How about a fresca? I'll slap an injunction on them so fast it'll make their head spin. You, you better get rid of those gophers, or I'll be looking for a new greenskeeper. My number three is Eddie Murphy in The Nutty Professor. I knew it. Oh! I knew that would make your list. I'm glad it did. He is brilliant. It is a silly comedy. There's yep. loads of fart jokes. There's, <laughs> it's, it's, it, you know, there's a lot of lowest common denominator stuff in here. It's yep. crass. It's silly, but it's also masterful, masterful. Even under all the makeup, take the makeup away. Those characters, it's incredible. Yeah, he's incredible as yeah. as all of the characters, but especially. At the heart of it, you know, you see, you see the posters for it, and you're like, ugh. You actually think it's going to be less virtuosic than Jerry Lewis because you're like, right. oh, it's a fat right. suit. That's the thing. Yeah. As he goes from fat to skinny, it's not even act. But the character of Sherman <sighs> Pump, what he does, the character he creates, you feel, you feel that character's weight in his in his voice. Yes. yes. Well, Daddy, all uh, calories in the chicken are found in the skin and in the fat. So I. Yeah, what are you talking about? That's where all the fat and calories is. You know where that come from? Watching that damn TV. I don't know why everybody trying to lose weight in the first place. Ain't everybody supposed to be the same size. We're supposed to be all different. Big, small, medium, midget. She's supposed to have all of that. I don't know what it is. Everybody want to be the same size. Like that Oprah Winfrey. She gonna lose her weight. Wasn't nothing wrong with She was fine. Oprah was a fuck. Yes, I hope nothing's wrong with Oprah. She doesn't look real. Ain't nothing wrong with Oprah. I seen Oprah on hard copy last week with a picture of hell. Got a tall, young, strong gentleman named Stedman, so handsome. He's my favorite out of all of them. Jenny Jones, Marilyn Kagan, Maura Povich, Latterman, Lano, Montel, Ricky Lake. I like Rado. Mike Douglas. Oh, Mike Douglas. You know, Mike Douglas used to make me moist when I watched the show. I would get, I admit it, I would get moist when I watched the show. Only white man ever did that to me was Mike Douglas. It's incredible what he yeah, does. It's a total transformation for each of those characters. For each of I the love characters, the brother. especially the brother is incredible. The brother is amazing. The grandmother oh my God. is so good. And again, a lot of the jokes are. Oh my God, Grandma's still into sex or whatever, and right. blah blah blah. Am I talking about when she was a girl? But I'll tell you, and this is uh, treading over into Nutty Professor Two, the clumps. Can you believe something called that would be this high on this list? But in the opening, I saw that movie. I was crying in the theater, and not crying because oh, this is so funny. I'm crying, crying because I felt the acting was so good. The acting at the heart of the comedy was so good. There's a moment at the very, very beginning of Nutty Professor 2 where he's playing the grandmother and it's just a cutaway. It's something they just cut to in editing. And it's just him as the grandmother sitting in a church pew, kind of rocking back and forth and crossing herself and holding her rosary beads. And she Aww. just says something 
I can't remember exactly what she says. Like maybe it's just praise Jesus or something like that. It is like you're looking at an elderly woman. You're looking wow. at a, a 90 year old African-American woman. You're not looking at Eddie Murphy. It's that good. And it made me cry. It made me burst into tears. I was like, I can't. I didn't know you could be that good. I didn't know you could be an actor. The specificity with those characters is so good. And you see it in Coming to America, you know, Mm -hmm. and just, and it just, and then he just hones it more in that. But like, yeah, yeah, just those little, the the specifics, that's what makes it. It's so good. Yeah. Jack Nicholson was interviewed by Rolling Stone the following year. I remember. And he was, uh, he was uh, up for the Oscar and as good as it gets. He hadn't won yet. Um, And he's like, for me, Eddie Murphy was best actor last year for The Nutty Professor, and he wasn't even nominated. And, you know, and he went wow. on about what a sin it was that that performance mm. and that comedy performances don't get the respect they deserve. And awesome. I'm inclined to agree with him. My number two is Bill Murray in Groundhog Day. Yeah, um, ah, great. Yes. It's it's a it's a brilliant, perfect movie. And and his performance, I've always said what's so amazing. I'm not, again, another big high concept kind of thing hollywood thing like what if you woke up and every day right. is the same <laughs> but uh, and obviously this goes this credit goes to the screenplay and to harold ramus as director to it's not just murray but you know it's so his voice you know he's he's captain of that ship there you know what i mean whether it's improvisation or whether he got in there into the guts of the screenplay too but but Bill Murray does everything that you would do when you think stop to think about the arc of what a human being would do in that <laughs> preposterous situation. The movie does it all. And and at the center is Murray doing it all. And you can see it on his face. And he's he is funny. He is that Pat, he's he's the same Murray we get as Venkman in Ghostbusters or or in Stripes or anything. But it's he becomes a better human. I mean, the arc, he becomes a better man by the end of this hour and 45 minute movie he truly this experience makes him a better person just as funny but all the deeper all the more soulful it's um it's like it's a master class in human behavior in human in the the thought process of a of a of a a human being it's like you talk about the stages of grief it's like this it's like going through the stages of grief every day over this you know on a micro level you're going through the stages of grief and on a macro level like you know like how it affects you and changes you every day this is pitiful a thousand people freezing their butts off waiting to worship a rat what a hype Round like they used to mean something in this town they used to pull the hog out and they used to eat it you're hypocrites all of you i'll give you a winter prediction it's going to be cold, it's going to be gray, and it's going to last you for the rest of your life. My number two, you mentioned it before. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Charles Grodin, Robert De Niro yeah. in Midnight Run. Uh, I had to put them together. Yeah. It can't go separately. It really uh, it's, it's, it might be my favorite De Niro performance. And you know that uh, De Niro means too. quite a bit to me. I think it's my favorite Robert De Niro performance ever. Yes. He's so good because it is so unexpected in many ways. You know, and like I said, he started off in comedies, but it's not, you know, like no one knows that and no one cares. And it's, uh, uh, you know, you could say his career really started with Mean Streets. I mean, maybe Bang the Drum Slowly, but like Mean mm-hmm. Streets was the big one. Yeah. But um, he, they're just, you said it all. They're just so deliciously brilliant together. 
uh, and there's styles. I mean, it's perfect what you said with like the two ingredients that shouldn't <laughs> go together. Uh, and, and the whole movie is great from start to finish. I just, I, I love it. It's my favorite of, you know, that the buddy, buddy comedy mm-hmm. movies to me, that's like the pinnacle. I've posted about midnight run a few times on social media when there was like the, you know, like name your top 10 mm-hmm. favorite movies or whatever different things. And what's so fun to me is the people who know that movie, it's just people just it's just, just comment yeah. after comment quotes, after just quotes, everyone's quotes, writing quotes. the quotes. Yeah. It's probably like in a way, it's a more quotable movie to me, almost in Caddyshack. People who know it really know it. Yeah. And it's so fun. But they're both just fucking brilliant in it. Good. Danny. Oh, I wish two? I'd put more things on my list. Um oh, we're getting down to it. Number yeah. two and your number one. Oh, good lord, have mercy. Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> As Borat Sagdiev in Borat, the first <laughs> yes. Borat. Second movie's great too. Loved it. But this first yeah, one, first yeah, one same reaction. Great. We said a lot of it before. Tears streaming down my face, seeing this in the theater, going crazy, laughing hysterically, stomach hurting. There, there's no <laughs> funnier moment, I think, in the last, I don't know, hundred years of film than him wrestling <laughs> around on that bed. With, with his Ken Davidia is the name of the other actor, or Davisha oh as Azamat. Oh my God. Naked w- with their wangs blacked out with the, <laughs> right, with the, the bar, blackout the censored bar. Oh my God. And his, he's so close to his fucking balls. I mean, the, 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 <laughs> the commitment. It's like the bravest comedic yes, performance you've ever the, seen. The commitment that you have to have to do everything he's doing. And that's not even him out there with strangers. That's him with another actor that he trusts and that's like, okay, we're going to do this thing. We're going to really do it. But, you know, uh, uh, that is that is so incredible um, that he can pull that off, that he can achieve it. And also that it's as funny as it is. He's being the ultimate court jester. Yeah. You know, he's saying, hey, yeah. everybody, look totally. at this. Look at this. This is this is old timey comedy when you get when you get right down to it. He's saying you got to look at yourselves. You know, he's the fool in King Lear and mm-hmm. going, look, so look and see, you know, look and see. And that's that's the brilliance of that. And and there there aren't that many people brave enough um, to do that. So but good. braver than all of it is, uh, you know, the uh, wrestling around in the bed and the balls. <laughs> in the Nothing funnier than that. Uh, number one, not surprisingly, Ted Knight. Judge Elihu Smales in Caddyshack. <laughs> uh, uh, nothing, nothing has influenced my comedy more. What I see, not that I do comedy, but what I think is funny. And and when I am ha- blessed to do a comic role in a in a show or anything, I I you <laughs> know think about. I can't not think about what would Ted Knight? How would he commit to this? What what would he? What would his take be on this? He is. Um, super overcommitted, almost too committed. But when you're standing next to Dangerfield and Chevy Chase and everybody else, you fucking better be. And he is the, he's the, you know, Chevy Chase has said it in interviews. He's like, that's the guy. That's the guy you need to be watching in this movie. He's giving the funniest performance out of all of the crazy that's happening Mm -hmm. in this this movie. Um, And uh, the scene where he says, sit down, Danny. And he talks to Danny. (laughs) (sighs) It's a, fucking lamp. It is a five-minute piece of comic perfection. It's perfection. And her vagine hang like sleeve of wizard. Freddie, what's your number one? 
My number one comedic performance in the Dutch, it translates to whale's vagina. <laughs> Milk may have been a bad choice. Oh my God, I'm so glad. But Will Ferrell as Ron Burgundy, an anchorman. Oh, I'm so glad it's there. Is the classiest yeah. choice of all. <gasps> it's Will Ferrell and Anchorman. So and I didn't know, I was like, should it be Will Ferrell and Elf? Because... Great. Great. Fucking brilliant performance. Incredible. But uh and I and I've spoken about this before. When I first saw Anchorman, I didn't really find it. I was like, eh, yeah, okay. you said, yeah. Yeah, I was like, eh. And I saw it again. And I thought, oh, that's really funny. Mm. And I saw it a third time. I'm like, this may be the funniest thing ever committed <laughs> to film. And uh I could watch it over and over and over again. And I was going back and forth because I'm like, it's one of my favorite Steve Carell performances. Yeah. You know, I really wanted to get yes. him on here. Yes. But I'm like, but nothing, nothing that he has done on film tops what he does is Michael Scott in The Office. But I'm like, that's but my true. God, his brick, his brick. Oh, yeah. oh that's amazing. It's, I love Lamp. Yep. But <laughs> it's, uh, it, it all comes down to Burgundy. It's Ron. Yeah. Will Ferrell. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's one of the greats. He's one of the greats. He might be. The greatest, in my opinion. Everything he does is funny. So I mean, true. I've heard other comedians talk about him. Like, I listen to Mark Maron all the time, and Mark Maron's like, he, the guy's a wizard. Yeah. You know, like, you don't, you can't, <laughs> it's hard to comprehend what Will Ferrell does. There's just this energy. I mean, I remember seeing the first time he was on Saturday Night Live, and he was doing the, the cheerleader thing. Yeah. And just thinking, who is this guy? So what is, go yeah. what's, what's good? That energy. That yeah. crazy energy, in, in a way, like the Gene Wilder scream thing, you know, like, but, but constant, always yeah. Yeah. heightened, always there. And just that bluster. And to me, it's just not, it, it, it's Ron Burgundy is, is the perfect personification of, of that Will Ferrell bluster. And oh, there's, God, yeah. there's not a moment in that movie where he's on screen that I'm not laughing. I can't believe you did this to me. You read my news! I told you that I wanted to be an anchor. I told you that. I thought you were kidding! I thought it was a joke! I even wrote it down in my diary! Veronica had a very funny joke today! The whole well, movie's ridiculousness and just it's anchored by Burgundy. It's, it's all like, it's again, it's like so much, all great comedy. It's, it's rooted in deep even with we talk about his bluster and his overcome it's really deep deep insecurity that he's going to be replaced exactly you know it's like it it's like you know the, yeah. this that that the the age you know and of course this is supposed to be the 70s that the age of the the era of the white man dominating is is over or might be yeah. over i might not but you know and christina applegate coming up through the ranks and he loves her but he's in competition with her and he just can't accept it he can't <laughs> accept it his privilege his 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 massive privilege right, in yeah. any way that 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 the veneer of his privilege is dented or, or challenged or compromised it is it is the end of the world for him. And it's, uh, and it's fantastic watching him <laughs> go through that and, and, and suffer and navigate and, and, and come out the other side. He's yeah, it's a great character. It's a great performance. I'm so, I had Will Ferrell on my big master list that I wh whittled down from, but I wrote Will Ferrell Zoolander. I love him in that fucking <laughs> no, movie. He's great in that, yeah. I told you I get farty and I get farty and bloated if I have a foamy latte. He throws <laughs> it at the guy. Yeah, no, I was going between Elf and Anchorman, and then uh, yeah, and then it didn't it didn't end up there. But my God, yeah, he's just incredible. So he's amazing. That's awesome that he's your number one. My number one, 
might be a, considered a little weird. I what think say, I ben? know what it is. Oh, you do? I think <gasps> I know. You can cut this, but I'm looking at my master list. I'm like, well, there's only one on here that I think well, don't might spoil be it. left. For, no, no, you can cut you can, this. No, you can say it if you want to. I think it, you can feel free to cut this. I don't know if you're going to guess it. Liam Neeson Schindler's list? <laughs> Close. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman Tootsie? Dustin Hoffman in Tootsie. Yes! Wow! Yes! my number one comic performer. That good oh, one. Oh, brilliant. Good guess. I'm looking, at, I'm looking at your list. I'm like, who's left for him? He got, he got Bill Murray on there. He got Jim Carrey on there. He got Keaton on there already. There are a couple of surprises. He got Gene Wilder. I'm like, who's left for Jason? Who's left? Who's left? And I went, oh, what? hang on a minute. Thank you. Wait a minute. Yeah, no, Dustin Hoffman in Tootsie. I just can't Brilliant. say enough. About his performance, not a guy known necessarily for comedy, not right. and not, you know, it's it's a fascinating performance, too. It's it's it, this is my favorite comedy, probably if I was going to do my top 10 oh, movies, cool. it would probably be the highest ranked comedy in my top 10 uh, favorite films. You know, it's a very, very nuanced and layered Oscar nominated performance. It's not just mm-hmm. funny. It's so much. But as, as so many of these performances are, I. I don't like Michael Dorsey, but I love Dorothy Michaels. And yes, that's the point of the movie. Right. That's, it. That's, has, why that's why the performance is a success. That's the whole of a thing. And, yeah. then yeah. he puts on, and then out of pure necessity, out of just need, he's so fucking unliked by the world that he cannot get work. When Sidney Pollack lays that out for him, no one will hire you. No one will hire you. And he decides the only option for him is to make this. You talk about a big swing because he's yeah. he's sorry to say Dustin Hoffman, not the most attractive guy. And probably, and you know, it's not like you're looking at Killian Murphy and you're like, oh, I could see him put some makeup yeah. on him and like he could be an effective woman. It seemed like the least likely person to be a convincing female to the point that Dabney Coleman doesn't want to hire him for the show because he seems too feminine, too soft, too right. It's yeah. It's that's a brilliant. Can you pull that's back? A, that's a, How do you feel about Cleveland? That is the greatest line. stroke of the that movie. Is the that that is, but it's also it makes sense that you know Dustin Hoffman's or Michael Dorsey's take on femininity would be such an kind of an old school take on femininity. He's more yeah. like a school marm or something. You know, I mean, it's what he learns about himself and what he learns about the opposite sex. You know, a guy who's constantly on the make just with the pickup lines right. and just, uh, you know, just this self-loathing, just trying to get somebody into bed. And, yeah, you know, the way Terry he, the way he uses yeah. and abuses her. And then to come out the other side and understand something deeper about himself as a man and about women as the 50% of the planet, you know, yeah. of the population is just, it's, it's really, you know, it's, 
it's a very, very deep film. It's a very deep performance. I know it was a, a tortured birth, you know, he and Sidney Pollack and Larry Gelbart, everybody making that movie. Mm. They all kind of fucking <laughs> were hating each other while they made it and fighting constantly. But man, they made something utterly unique. But she was deeply, 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 deeply loved by her brother. Her brother. It was this brother who on the day of her death swore to the good Lord above that he would follow in her footsteps and, 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 and just, 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 don't, 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 don't panic. Oh, it all up to her, but on her terms. God, here come the terms. As a woman, for I am not Emily Kimberly. No, I'm not. I'm Edward Kimberly, the reckless brother of my sister, Anthea. Holy yeah, fantastic! Great list, yeah, you good guys. List. I'm so oh very good. Yeah, so happy with great. some of the things that like I that we didn't get. Yeah. You know, you don't get on one, and then somebody else says it, and it and so it feels like a yeah. master list and it, uh, encompassing everything. Yeah. Thanks for joining us for uh, our top ten comedy performances of all time episode of opening i can never know how to like title these things top, top 10 film comedy performances of all time Fil top 10 favorite film comedy performances whatever top ten, fletch episode. Episode. We call it fletch episode episode fletch. 52 episode 52 <laughs> thank feel, you i feel so I, I feel bad i feel like i was very uh wishy-washy looky warmy with with what? fletchy fletchy there yeah. Why is that? Why you got to feel bad about that? I don't know. You I feel were, like I did something wrong. You shouldn't wrong. feel bad about it. You shouldn't okay. feel it's bad not, about it's, it. It's made Citizen Kane. All it's, right. Uh, you know, I, could, I couldn't gather my it's, thoughts. You know, it's it no was, Super uh, Mario Brothers, nor is uh, it Baby's uh, Day Out. Uh, yes, yes, I, you son of a bitch. Next week, we'll be back uh, with episode 53. We are traveling back to June 11th, 1993, and a film that uh, I think we've been asked about several times. Where are you going to do this one? Are you going to revisit this one? It's Jurassic Park. And what's love got to do with it? Uh, oh. Starring Angela Bassett and oh. Lawrence Fishburne. The uh, Tina Tina and Ike Turner biopic, uh, which I think I've seen once. Don't remember it very well. But I believe enough, she was, that was uh, number 12 on my favorite comedies oh, of all time. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah. Lawrence Fishburne is Ike Turner. Hilarious. <laughs> you laughing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Who's the bigger monster? The T-Rex or Ike Turner? You'll find out. Next week on opening weekend. Uh, Dan, what do you got for us? Well, I was going to attempt the Harold Faltermeyer <laughs> extravaganza. <laughs> from, yeah, do you do it. All right. This is going to go. This is going to go poorly. But what's the other song from it? Big Let's try the Harold Faltermeyer. This won't go well. <laughs> no? That was stunning. It was great. I can't believe you just pulled that off. <laughs> Let me try it slowly. That's a little better. Speed that up in that, post. That's amazing, Dan. I'm not even. There. I'm not even joking around. That's if, that's. I can't believe you just pulled that out of your literally your ass, <laughs> your hand ass. I mm it washed it. <laughs>
<laughs> and I'll do a little. Uh... Yes. That's not too bad. Yeah, that's excellent. That's great. And then a little Andy Williams to bring it on home. <laughs> Basically, just repeats. So. That was gorgeous. That was beautiful. Lovely. Felt beautiful. like I was back in the doctor's office. I know. <laughs> I was going to say, you really only need to come have this done once a year, Mr. Brennan. But <laughs> if you insist, we'll put you on the monthly rotation. <laughs> Can you say that again, but just in a slight Southern accent like M. Emmett Walsh? Well, we could. We can have you back once a week. That's good, Dr. Adler. That's good. Yeah. Oh, I like that. All right. Uh, can I have my thumb back? The opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.